If you're leading any, any type of organization, one of the things that you wanna do is you wanna create some values uh, that will help create culture in, in your organization. And so several years ago, we did that here and, and we talked about four core values that we have. Um, found people, if you're here, know it. Find people, thank you. Saved people. Uh, growing people. And I can't do life alone. And so we've been in this series uh, called We the Church. And it kind of encompasses that, that last core value all the way through it, that I can't do life alone. That God created us uh, to be his church and to impact the world. Um, in, in week one, uh, we talked about this great faith that causes us to take bold steps. And we do that because growing people change. As our faith grows and we take these, these bold steps, what God's doing in our life is he's changing us. And, and it happens over and over again. Um, so so we, we cannot live scared. I think the, the phrase in week one was that you can't live safe and please God. That, that you can, you've got to have big faith or great faith. And then last week we talked about we are spiritual uh, contributors, not spiritual consumers. That, that we are the church and we were created for the world. That, that the church does not exist for us. That, that it's not about us, but it's about what, how we contribute into the world. And today what I wanna do is I wanna take a look at some of the words of Jesus in Acts twenty thirty five, And what we're gonna talk about is not one of our core values, um, but it, it probably should be. Um, because I think it, it's so important as, as a church that we are. And Jesus said this, he said, and I have been, uh, and Paul, or, he said, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the, the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So gener rational generosity. Um, the, the way that I would put it would be that, that you can't outgive God. Like if this was one of our core values here, it would be like, like you can't outgive God. And what makes this so important to me is that I was not generous at all. Like this is something that, that God has done in my heart. And I wanna tell you a little bit about my story uh, today. But, but it was years ago that I first read the, a book by Stephen Covey um, called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, I mean, it's an older book, but he talked about the difference between a scarcity mindset and an abundant mindset. Like, because I grew up, quite honestly, with a, with a scarcity mindset. And someone who believes uh, in, in, or has a scarcity mindset, they simply believe that there's not enough to go around. Like, they, there's not enough. There's always a lack, and you have to get uh, what you can because there's not enough. But someone with an abundant mindset believes that, hey, there's always more. And if we take it from a faith perspective, we say we serve an abundant God who always provides and he's powerful and he'll always give us more. In a very rational sense, though, it could be a little bit like a cherry pie. Last week it was apple. This week it's cherry. But if I had a cherry pie and you took a quarter of it, a scarcity mindset would say, wait, there's not enough for me because I'll eat the whole thing. Like, so I would guard that. But an abundant mindset would say, hey, you can have half of it and we'll just go make another one. Then I can get one and a half. Like there's always enough to go around. 
But with a scarcity mindset, honestly, I grew up terrified and afraid to give. Like I was not a generous person at all. And while this isn't one of our our stated values, this is something that I believe as a church and as followers of Christ, every one of us should have. And I wanna start with a teaching from the book of Corinthians and just give you a little bit of context first. Paul, I'm here, he's trying to encourage or inspire the Corinthians to give to the Jerusalem church. See, all of the apostles are still hanging out in Jerusalem and they're kind of the hub, they're kind of the center of where this movement is starting. And he was telling the Corinthians about a group of people known as the Macedonians. And the reason the Macedonians were so um, moving to Paul it was because they were dirt poor. Like they were living in deep poverty. And the Macedonians, they gave this massive gift. And Paul was bragging them up in, in, in this context. And here's what we read in 2 Corinthians verse eight, chapter eight, starting in verse two. He said, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And then he said this in verse three, He said, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and then even beyond their ability. Pause for a minute and ask yourself this question. When is the last time you gave as much as you were able and maybe even pushed beyond that? That's a pretty convicting question um, for me to ask myself. And he says this, they did it entirely on their own And now this is even more interesting. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. In other words, like they were pleading, hey, uh, another translation reads begged. Like we wanna give, let let us give. And I don't know if this happened or not, but I can almost um, imagine Paul who was saying to them, hey guys, this isn't for you guys to give. Like you guys have your own problems. You guys have got enough going on. You've got poverty. You've got uh, sickness. You've got people to feed. You've got, it's not for you guys to give. We'll let some of the other wealthy people give. And I can't prove that that Paul said that, but but I don't know why he wouldn't have. And they're like, no, hey, you don't understand. We want to give. Please let us give. We want to do this. We want to give to further the mission of God. And they urgently pleaded that they would have that opportunity. How different is that from what we see today? Like, think about it. In ministries and churches and nonprofits and charities, uh, schools, like, we almost always have to have a gimmick to get people to give. It's like, we'll sell products to raise money. We'll do cupcake sales for, for ministry. Like, and I've always hated that. Like, and I've always said, uh, like, when we do money for CIY, like, we're not gonna do fundraisers for CIY. We've got a church that can give. And I'll talk about giving, and we'll get it. Or if you sign this, this card, your three-year pledge card for, for money, we'll give you $100, or we'll send you a prayer cloth, or water from the Dead Sea, or uh, anointing oil from Israel. Like all, all you got, like, all you gotta do is send us some money, and we'll do this. Like, how different is that from a very poor group of people urgently pleading to, hey, please let us give Please let us do something for for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Please let us help the church grow. Please let us help take care of people all over the world. And then verse five says this, they exceeded our expectations. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And stop there for a minute, because that's the key part. 
They gave themselves first off to the Lord, completely and totally committed to, to God. And then it's the mindset of, hey, it's not my own anyway. I'll give it to you. And it says, by the will of God, they also to us. They gave themselves completely to God first, and then that just flowed out of them to give to others. But it started with giving their lives completely to Christ, the same place it starts for us. And then Paul says this in verse seven, we'll skip a verse. It says, but since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in love that we have love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. So you got all of these things, you got faith and you got speech and you got love and, and you've got kindness, you got all of these things, but don't neglect this aspect of, of generosity. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, um, what I've had you do is I've kind of had you rate yourself, like when it comes to faith. On a scale of one to 10, where, where's your faith? Um, on, on a scale of one to 10 last week, where, are, are you a spiritual uh, consumer or are you a spiritual contributor? And today I'm gonna to ask you again to, to kind of look at that sliding scale, one to 10, and ask yourself, are you less generous or are you more generous? Are you irrationally generous? And before you go ahead and put something down, let's just go ahead and take 10 out of the equation, unless you're Jesus and you died for the sins of the world. Don't put 10. At the same time, don't put one because uh, that's the devil. Um, and we're gonna believe you've done something. Maybe you opened a door for somebody and then which qualifies you to be a two, right? Like, like, don't put yourself there. But let's think about it. Because this can be tricky. Because you can have a lot of money and give what most people would consider a large amount. And you could give that large amount, but you could not really be generous at all. Or on the other hand, you could have almost nothing and you could give what most people would, would consider a measly amount, and that make you a lot more generous. So I want you to think about it. Like maybe, maybe not so much in how much you give, think about maybe in how much you keep. How much do you keep for yourself? So just go through your mind, and, and maybe you're a tither, and, and maybe you give offerings, and uh, like you, you give to, to some strategic ministries, and maybe you've got a, a giving budget that you look at. So you might be a seven or an eight or, or a nine. Or you might be, on the other hand, someone who, who finds it very difficult to give, like I did for many years. And you might be one right now that you're kind of angry that we're even talking about this in church. And let's call it what it is. Like you're sensitive to, to that subject of, of giving. You don't like it. And listen, that could just be an indication of the scarcity mindset and it might put you a little bit lower on that scale. But I want you to think about it. How much do you keep? How much do you really use to bless other people? And we'll go two to nine, because again, you're not Jesus, and if you're not the devil, um, and if you are, like, just, you can walk out now, we'll, we'll point. But, but go ahead and put that down somewhere on your list. What, what, would, what would you be? And what I wanna do is I wanna encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to become irrationally generous, like crazy generous. Like when people see what you give, like they're like, I don't believe that. And listen, you don't even have to be a Christian to be crazy generous. I know a lot of non-Christian people who are, who are crazy, crazy generous. Like, you don't have to be. But if you're a Christian, 
Like, I believe that you really should be irrationally generous with what God has trusted you with because God has blessed you. Um, I, I love Isaiah 32, verse eight, in the New Living Translation, it reads this, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. They plan to do what is generous. It's not an afterthought. And they stand firm in their generosity. Stingy people have plan on how they can get more. You know, I'll often sit down and, and plan on how I can buy something. Like if there's something I want, I'll research it, I'll save, um, I'll study it, and then I'll make the kill. A generous person does the same thing with giving. They plan on how can I be more generous? How, how can I give more away? When all of our culture says consume, 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 save, 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 the generous person stands firm and says, no, 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 I give, I give, I give, because giving is not just something that I do, it's part of who we are as followers of Christ. And I wanna tell you a little bit longer version of the story that, that may help in, inspire you uh, to, to step toward irrational generosity. Like I, I'll tell you that I was not generous at all um, for, for a big portion of my life. I mean, part of that was because I didn't have anything. But, but the big hang up was when I first noticed it, like I would see people giving at church when I was young. Like I grew up in the church, was always there. And I would see people giving and it just didn't make any sense to me. Like I, I didn't understand it at all. So I was there every Sunday um, and, and I would think, man, that money could buy so much stuff. Again, in high school, I began to be one of those people that would pass the plate at the end of the row. And I'd be thinking, man, that's a new Nintendo game. Like that's a pair of Chuck Taylors. Like I, I, just, I just didn't understand. And, and as I got into Bible college, I had to take a, a class called Personal and Church Finance. And the professor taught about the power and the privilege of, of tithing. And I'll never forget him teaching what the tithe is. It's returning 10% of what God has blessed you with back to the local church. And I remember being stunned and disoriented and thinking, no way, 10%. And he was so convincing. He said, like the tithe, it even predated the law. Like it was, it was before Moses. And Jesus confirmed it in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He affirmed the, the tithe in the New Testament. The Hebrew writer even talks about uh, giving a tithe and, and that it's the beginning point. And the thing that was, was a killer, like he said, the scripture actually teaches that if you don't do this, that you are robbing from God. And I remember thinking, I really did used to rob from God. Like when I was young, and I don't remember exactly how old, but like between five and eight, like I would sneak back into the little communion prep room and I would steal some of the communion that was left, like the, the crackers and the juice, and I'd put the juice in the container that I probably stole from there as well. And I'd take them home to have church service with my stuffed animals. Like, and I, I stole from God. And, and I was learning like what the tithe was, and, but I was afraid to give because of this scarcity mindset that I had that, that if I give, I'm not gonna have enough. You know, Jennifer and I, we got married when, when I was 19 years old and I was a youth minister making $150 a week. We were paying $500 a month for, for rent um, and the church was, the house was near the church, which was dumb, but, but it was two hours away from Jennifer's work and two hours away from where I was going to Bible college. That math don't work out too good. Like, like we didn't have anything. Like we had student loan debt, we had car debt. And for years I thought there is no way that I can tithe. Like we, we just don't have it. So I didn't. 
And that went on for years. Like even after I began preaching ministry, like I didn't tithe. Like I wouldn't even preach on tithing because people would get mad about it and I didn't do it anyway. So who am I to stand up there and talk about it? Like, but I remember making the decision to, to tithe and it, it was a tough one. And nothing miraculous happened that first week. And nothing miraculous happened that first month. And like, it was like ramen noodle tight. Like, but eventually over time, what I began to see is that 90% with God's blessing goes way further than 100% without it. And what began to happen was there began to be a change in my mindset and a change even in my theology that from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset where God is always going to provide for his people. And that was just the beginning. And from there, years later, after I'd started tithing and God had started blessing me, like I, I had this feeling, this need that, hey, I just need to give more. That's crazy, isn't it? Like I, I need to give more. And so I remember back to that church that I used to steal from all the time. And there was a couple that I didn't know very well. They were, they were old and they were always there. Norville and, and Don Dina Campbell. And Jennifer's the only one that's gonna remember them. But like Norville, I don't even know what Norville did. Um, but, but Don Dina played the organ every week, every Sunday. And I remember you know, I was in junior high or high school, um, but they were having a celebration for Norville and Don Dina. It was an anniversary. And they brought up the fact that, that every year they were married, they increased their giving by 1%. And by that time, they were giving over 57% of their income back to the church. I thought, that's crazy. And it fascinated me, though. So I started doing that, uh, not on our anniversary, but, but every year I'm a minister at, at a church, like I increase my giving by 1%. So like right now I'm giving back 21%. And I don't say that to brag. I say that because that's what God's doing in my life. And, and just a side note, like Todd's up here preaching, they're talking and doing the giving talk every week. And there's a reason why, because Todd and Gayla decided that years ago. And they're giving over 30% back. Like, I just love to have a church that's full of irrationally generous people. And, and that's, so, so now, so I don't have any problem standing up here preaching or talking about giving anymore. Because I have learned the lesson that you can't outgive God. That when we're irrationally generous, what happens is that it changes the lives of people, but it changes our mindset to trust and depend on, on a God who will provide more and more. Like when the church is generous, lives are changed. So when I stand up here and tell you that, that you need to give and you need to be generous, it's not because I want something from you. Like I want something for you. I wanna see God use you to change this world that we live in through irrational generosity. Like listen, and I don't care where you give. Like if you don't like me, if you don't trust me, if you don't like this church, don't give a dime here. Like don't give anything here. Find a local church that you believe in and give there first. Return 10%. Why? Because the local church is going to make the deepest spiritual impact in the lives of people. And that's what we're going after. Like, you can feed people, that's great. You can do, but the local church is going to have the deepest spiritual impact in the lives of people. And when people are transformed, communities are transformed, and this world is changed. Like I'm telling you, honestly, find some place you believe in, plug in there, use your gifts and talents, give generously there, and then give beyond that. Look for a church or a ministry that you can give your time to as well as your money. 
And as followers of Jesus, I believe that we could, could be like the book of Acts in, in Acts chapter two, where two different times in chapter um, four, two different times, it says that if someone was in need, the Christians would take what they had and some of them would sell it and they'd give their money so that no one had need. Like the church just did it. Like, like, don't miss the power of that. Like, as I was reading through there, like, I couldn't find one specific example of that. Like, oh, some lady sold her earrings and gave the money, or, or someone did that. Like, it was just very common that that's what the church did. Like, they were irrationally generous so that no one had need. Like, every single day. And it says that God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. Could that be possible today? And I'm here to tell you, if our churches would get on fire and realize that we're called to lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive, because we truly believe that, you know what, we can't outgive God, I believe that we could meet the needs of the people in our community. I believe that we could get their, their attention. Like I have a vision for a church uh, that's full of irrationally generous people. And listen, and we've got a lot of them here. I'm going to tell this story. Kyle, you can come on up um, this morning. And, and I don't know, but, but we had someone here um, had a fire last night. House burned. Had someone come up to me today in the, in before the service and said, hey, I just want you to give this to, to that guy. I don't want him to know who it is. Like irrational generos, generosity. Like when we do that, we bless the lives of others and we can meet the needs of the people around us. So I, believe, I have a vision for a church that's full of irrationally generous people who start with the tithe that is a beginning point and then they give offerings well beyond that. Like I see a group of people who are, who are not entitled, but they see themselves as entrusted with God's resources to do more than we could ever ask or imagine on our own. Because to whom much has been given, the Bible says, much is, is required. And we've been given much. So God expects much. I see a group of people who deep in their heart believe that it's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So therefore, as, as followers of Christ, we're gonna be irrationally generous. And when people look on, they say, hey, I, I don't know if I believe what you believe. I don't, I don't know if I understand why you're giving, but why in the world are you so generous? And in that moment, that's when we tell them about the generous God who gave more than we could ever ask or imagine. When he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son to die for us, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. If you're not a Christian man, I hope, you, I hope you're generous because you can make a big difference. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you should be irrationally generous because we serve the most generous God who gave it all for us. I'm gonna ask you to stand and just wanna invite you, if you're not a Christian today, to accept that gift that God has given to us. We know we all fall short. We talk about it every week here. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And the way that we come into contact with that, the scripture teaches us, is that in the waters of baptism, that in Acts chapter two, they ask, what must I do to be saved? 
And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we wanna make that available to you today, the greatest gift that's ever been given. Father God, today, come to you thanking you for your generosity toward us. That, that even in our sin, even your word says we were powerless, we were, we were far from you, we were your enemies, that you still sent Jesus to die for us. That you loved us so much that it caused you to do something irrational, caused you to do something, as a song we sing so often, reckless. Caused you to send Jesus to die for us, to pay the price for our sin. And Father, I pray for those of us who are, who are your followers, who, who, who maybe have a scarcity mindset like I did for, for so many years. Father, I pray that you would prove yourself to us, that we may see that you're a God of, of abundance. The God that we may see that we, we can't outgive you, that it is truly more blessed to give than it is to, to receive. And again, not for, not for this church, but God, but, but for us and for this community that, that we live in, that there may not be a needy person among us because we're so generous. Father, again, I thank you for Jesus and that he was willing to, to die for us. It's in his name that I pray, amen.